0: pink midnight pink midnight pink midnight gracefully conduct a symphony in the middle of a field in one's underwear, the light being perfect, the fixtures of nature being exact for the performance of the birds, the performance of flight. I'll post keep an eye out for what exactly eyes missing eyes blurred, eyes following us through the forest, eyes of the music, eyes of the mind, eyes in the hair, eyes crawling about. I am a composer, I am in my underwear, I am in a speedo, I am keeping an eye outside of my being, forever. But as in all great things, the police come for the composer, the police And all the ending rituals, all the specters of conformity chase us in our underwear across the fields, away from the music, and the music does not stop. The music takes flight, and the police will never catch us because we are among the birds. The frustration of dinner is a rather prominent theme in this film. Missing a dinner, eating weird leftovers, a single oyster, a time delayed, a day without end, a fragmented day, a lack of rest. These all find us in this film. The interrogator at the police station notes that his parents are deaf. That he can only communicate with them by scribbling notes. And we will find a breakdown of communication throughout this film. Repeated conversations, repeated memories, memories which distract, which distance themselves at all odds, and get invaded by new future-changing enigmas, spiraling thoughts, and exploding missives, an interrogator who does not hear, an interrogator who does not listen, an interrogator whose thoughts are broken down, who does not respond, who is absent, because speech is passing in bubbles, and speech is not exploding outward. Speech is breaking down. Speech is running away. Why does this man... Being interrogated, have a haphazard relationship to corpses, going through their papers, touching them, disturbing the scene of the crime before the scene of the crime can be investigated. Does he want the scene of the crime to become its own personality, to become part and joined a twin, a father in a sense of the crime? Later in the film, he will disturb another crime scene, Uh, and he will seemingly escape with it, because it's all a play. Or is it? A terrifying boredom and excessive impatience. A slow typing of the events, turning them into permanency, but at the same time confusing them, somehow making them more brittle and likely to corrode somehow the typing and the confusion of the communication leads one down a spiral of boredom and nothingness. The blurred eye, what does it mean exactly? Why is it so prominent? What is beyond seeing? What is beyond feeling? What is beyond thinking? Is the absent eye willing to come back as it does Later in the film when an eye is picked up, is that the missing eye or has the eye always been missing? Was the eye never there? What is this letter? What is this impossible report? Why does a stapler get thrown at his back? Why is he around? Why is he so proud of his badge? Why does he have to go? And. Where is his other eye, meaning his third eye? Is it also blurred? Is there a blurring there? There's something kind of eerie and unnerving about the absurdism of this film, as if it contained a lurking darkness, an impossible hole, a burned out basement a room filled with torturous devices, somehow invisible, yet gradually coming into focus, gradually appearing as if a hallucination being confirmed by visibility. The eyeless man concentrates in a corner, composing an application for the police force, a cover letter to join the police force, Even though he's already on the police force, he is told to keep this letter confidential by a different superior. But he betrays the order and shows it to another police chief. What was the reason for such a strange and pointless request? The camera goes someplace subterranean beneath the table. And it's then that he begins to burn his fingertips off. He was given the advice before the unfortunate collapse while proudly bearing his badge and getting a triangle through the one working eye that, to get rid of your fingerprints, it was necessary to melt the lines. The smell of singed pig and eye found on the floor An autopsy report which makes you believe all this and more. Don't slip on the eye. Don't slip on the blood. Keep running. Life becomes an illusion. It's all a play. They even discuss at a bar later eating hot dogs, whether to method act, if it's important to actually eat the hot dogs, or to pretend to eat the hot dogs. And this leads you to believe, is it living or is it acting? Is this a stage or is this staged by someone else? The play within a play, the film within a film, is called Eye on the Culprit, and there's a critic that apparently liked half of the play. We're not sure which half, and that leads to some confusion. Is the movie really in two halves? Are there two acts as opposed to the traditional three acts? Or are there more mini-acts? You've seen a film or a play... When a play is within a play, the end, say, to a Twilight Zone episode, where it turns out reality is reversed. But what if it reverses again? Then you are in this film. After they're discussing the play and being in the play, the man who is being interrogated is re-arrested and it's like they flip right back into the previous scenario without really much of a logical transition. But if my tone made it sound like that's a bad thing, then I have failed you in this podcast because it is indeed a very disorienting thing in a great way, in an uninspected way, in a way that makes this film truly unique, like a chalice hidden under the wing of a dove, dressed as a warrior. The commentary is really great and worth listening to. Uh, He's very honest, the the director, and has a lot of amazing anecdotes about the making of the film. I love the last anecdote when he's talking about the finale, uh, because I guess he based it on like a TV French movie and there was a series of brief shots at the end of that movie that weren't in the actual TV show, in the actual TV movie, but had the actors in different scenarios. And he remembers as a kid watching it and wanting to spend more time with the actors and wanting to get to know them better because the characters were so elegantly composed. This release, this Blu-ray release by Deck Analog, a new sub-label for Vinegar Syndrome, does come with a little booklet and the cover letter in which the guy with the missing eye, uh, you know, is applying to be a police officer, even though he already is a police officer. And there is a translation of it. And it reads, September 3rd, 729 p.m. Subject, cover letter for the police examination. Dear Headmaster, being motivated by the fact of passing the police examination, I urge you for your information. Sadly, this is not the first time that I've taken the official police examination. I've always wanted to become a police officer because I wanted to become someone. It's because of this that I've watched so many detective films, admiring their work and their courage to fight against injustice, to resolve serious problems, even complicated ones, fascinates me in my life. And if that were possible, that is why I would like to retake this famous exam that is difficult to pass. And that really adds something to his character. His character is very awkward and seems to be a bit on another planet. Uh, My favorite quote from the booklet is the interview with the director, Quentin Dupieux, when he's talking about language. This film is a lot about language, a lot about dialogue, but really fun, really bizarre, and really playful about language. So it's not like one of those play kind of movies where it just feels too entrapped or too much about ornate language it's more playful and strange with what it does with language and there's a question in the interview that says keep an eye out seems to be a film about ordinary everyday life this police station brings about a very french feeling and it's your first real french film to which he replies everyday life and triviality are what i was looking for indeed the project was originally set off by a longing for france I had experimented with some interesting things in the four films I made in the United States. But when I was directing Alain Chabat and Jonathan Lambert in French, in reality, I realized I was much more fitted to control the language and build character in depth. I felt more efficient, more capable, simply from talking in my language and from the common culture I shared with Chabat and Lambert. My American films were made a bit to the detriment of my writing. Looking deeper into a language I understand perfectly, as I did in Keep an Eye Out, allows me to have a wider range, as if I were discovering new colors. And indeed, you discover a variety of new colors. An almost rainbow-like assortment. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to Pink Midnight. We hope you have enjoyed your stay in this haunted hotel, in this abandoned palace, in this opulent field of nowhere grass.